So everybody, would you please, with great love, would you welcome David Campos? Yes, yes, yes. You know, the one thing that, that you know, Pastor, it may really freak him out. If you, if you agree with something, just come down here and touch. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. <laughs> Man, it's so good to be in the house of God. What an amazing morning we've had. Man, let's just let it keep on. How many of you ready to get into the scriptures? Woo! Yes, Lord. So just like Pastor Brent's talking about, we're to good, just jumping into this uh, series on James. And I, I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite books. I know my wife loves James. I mean, she's always talking about James. And so uh, it's, it's just an amazing book. And there, there's just one common thing that, that, that kind of runs through James. And, and what, is, what is said sometimes is that James is, is actually one of the most practical books in the New Testament. And, and so it's, it's, it's been called kind of like the how-to Right, our manual, our, our Christian manual to walking with Christ. And speaking of manuals, um, just a little bit of a, uh, uh, some some news here. I, I don't I don't do manuals really well. How many how many of the fellas kind of when they see it as a challenge when you buy something, you got a manual like, oh man, I could put this together without instructions. Come on, come on, come on. Look, the picture's right there. Who needs manuals, right? So you throw the manual to the side, you start building it, and, a, and your wife is kind of looking at you, and she's just waiting for the moment. She's just waiting for the moment. She, you're, you're scratching your head. You're like, oh, what? keep on looking at the picture. You keep looking at the picture, and then you're looking at what you're building. Like, man, that, that's not even the same color. I mean, how did it, how did, how did it change colors from when we bought it to what it's looking like? And uh, we can get ourselves in a little bit of trouble, can't we? But you know what? When, when we go with the manual, when, when we, when we kind of say, okay, let, let, let me take a peek at it. I'll just kind of look at it. When we go with the manual, we get information. We get understanding. We get direction. And, and we know how to complete what is before us. Amen? So that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to look at this manual. And, and uh, as we walk through this book of James, one of, the, one of the major themes is spiritual maturity. Come on, somebody say Amen. So let's look at, let's first, let's, let's define what spiritual maturity is. So let's look in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again. And again, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we, do not, we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of reporting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. From repenting, excuse me, from repenting from evilities and, and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to future, to further understanding. So that, that's actually the intent of, of what we say here at One Chapel. And, and if you've been here for any number, a little bit of time, you, you may have heard somebody say here at One Chapel, we help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. That, and that, that's, that's, what, that's what we push for. That's where we, that's where we find that. That's where we stand on when we do that. And so before we jump into it, this, this high dive of getting into what it is, what, what is spiritual maturity? Let's clarify some of what spiritual maturity is not. Spirit, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. You, you can be a Christian for 50 years. You, you could have been in the church for all your life and still not be spiritually mature. 
Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with achievement. It, it's not about what you accomplish. It's not about, uh, it's not, you, can, you can accomplish a lot, but still, still be very immature. You can, have, you can have four degrees to your name and still be spiritually immature. Spirit, spiritual maturity is not comparing yourself to others. So no matter how much you feel like, you are more spiritually mature than the person sitting next to you. That may be an indicator of just how little you lack maturity. And so that, that's, but that's, that's so profound. That's so good to grab. And that, that, that should bring hope to us. That it, it, it's not based on those things. The real reason that, that it do, doesn't work is that the, the person sitting next to you is not the standard. That, that's not your gauge. It's definitely not your guide by which we measure our spiritual maturity. They're human. We're all human. And we, we all have junk. We all have issues. We all have things that we're dealing with. And so to compare horizontally is not the way to go. Amen? So let's, let's look at this. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. It, it, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching but and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is the Christ when you when we get down to its spiritual maturity it's what's going on on the inside of you it's, it's what God is doing inside of you. Spiritual maturity is the attitude that you carry. It's, it's not, it, it's the attitude you carry, it's your character. D.L. Moody says it like this. Character is what you are in the dark. Rec see, recognition is what people say about you. But character is what God says about you. That's why spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age or achievements or accomplishments. It's disconnected from that. And spiritual maturity is not marked by comparing ourselves to one another. Spiritual maturity is, is marked only by comparing yourself to the word of God, to the truth of who he is. James 5 gives us five marks of spiritual maturity. And we jump, we see right off the bat, we jump right into it in James 1, 2 through 4, which is my wife's, my wife's favorite verse. She, she, she quotes this all the time. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So looking at taking that verse, and, and we're going to look at five things, and, and we hate to put numbers on things, but look, looking at five things here. So a spiritually mature person is positive under pressure. So we ask ourselves, right? 
It's all about standing in front of the word of God. And, and, and we ask ourselves individually, how do we react to problems? Do, do problems blow us away? Do we, do we get nervous? Do we get uptight? Do we turn negative? Do we grumble? Do we complain? How do, how do, how do you handle problems? John 10.10 10 says, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Christianity is not religion. It's not something that we do on Sundays. It's, it's Christianity is a life. It's not a lifestyle. It's life. It, it, it infects every part of our being, and it is in everything that we do, a life that Jesus empowers us to live. Daddy says it this way. Religion is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. Hey, come on now. Woo, Jesus. <laughs> but listen, but listen, that, that doesn't remove the hardship. That doesn't remove the trial. That doesn't remove the, the, the things that we have to walk through, the things of this world. That, that doesn't open everything and allow us to walk on roses and daisies. Come on. That, that, that doesn't do that. We, we can, but in all those things, we have the opportunity to choose a positive way. We have an opportunity to choose positivity, not negativity. We have, we have an opportunity to believe instead of, have, instead of allow skepticism to, to influence, influence us, to choose gratitude, to be gracious and not grumble. James 1, 12 says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of right, the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Can we, let's, let's just make, let's make sure that we, we, we grab this right here, that head knowledge does not equal right heart condition. There, there, there can be a break there. You can have great knowledge about the Bible and, and, and still be kind of grumpy. Come on. You, 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 you can because knowledge, knowledge doesn't equate to spiritual maturity. Knowledge, knowledge is is the instruction manual. But you, we got to choose to use it. N not knowledge is the information, but we have to choose to apply it. Being positive under pressure, that's a mark of spiritual maturity. A spiritual mature person is sensitive to people. James 2.8 says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing right. In other words, you don't, you don't just see your, your own needs. You, you don't just see your, your own wants. You don't just see your own desires, but you see those of others. You under, you not only do you see those of others, but you see their hurts, and you understand their hurts. Think about this as children, right? Every, anytime we, any, any of us who have kids and have taken them out to the playground, we see that. We, we see, we see that, that they, every, everything is this way, right? In, in Spanish, it's como el salón, todo para acá. It's like, it's like so, so, those are my Spanish speakers right there. <laughs> Say something in Spanish, and if, if, if 10 or 15 of us laugh, then that, those are the Spanish speakers. I need some water. Yes. But basically what that means is uh, it, it's, it, sometimes it can be like the garden tool. 
I won't go the other way. It could be like the garden tool, right? Everything comes back to me. Everything comes this way, right? It, 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 they're seagulls. You remember the seagulls from, from Finding Nemo? Mine, 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 mine. Uh, there, there's, there's, 50, there's 100 of them, but they're all, they're all mine. And, and if anytime you've ever gone to a beach, you throw some bread in the air, it, it's, it's a free-for-all. It's a fight, right? But you know what God, God has called us? God ain't called us to be seagulls. He called us to be eagles. Woo! Come on, I just got that. I'm, I'm, that's, not even in my, that's not even in my notes. Hey, come on now. Woo! Yes. Come on, everybody's going to be walking out there talking about, hey, God didn't call me to be no seagull. God called me to be eagles. Hashtag TBTBS. Come on now. Too blatant. I'm, I'm, we're not going to go there. <laughs> come on. God says that love. Being interested in others is the mark of spiritual maturity. James is very, very specific about this. In James 2, 1 through 6, the Bible says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, I don't, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into the meeting and, and he goes on to talk about the, the, the rich man that comes in and you sit him in a, in a place of, of stature. And then somebody else comes in that isn't as rich and isn't on the outward as, as you, you don't see him as valuable as that man. You sit him at his feet. Let's, let's, let's go down to number five. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. It, it's not the rich who are exploiting you. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? I'm sorry. Are, are they not the ones who are dragging you? See, James is saying, don't show favoritism. Don't, we, we don't want to look down on people. We don't want to judge people by their outward appearance. We don't want to give them, we don't want to insult people. We definitely don't want to exploit people. So this, our, our second test of spiritual maturity is love. How are we loved? How do we treat other people? The Apostle Paul says it this way, and we all know the, the well-known passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, where he talks about speaking in the tongues of men and angels. And, and it, but yet, if we have not loved, I'm, I'm, that only re- equates to a resounding, a resounding sound like clanging cymbals. You ever been to a bad concert? <laughs> it, just, it, it, it was nothing like this morning. Come on. Come on, God was all up in it this morning. But, but sometimes you're in a place like, ooh, Lord Jesus, there ain't no love in this place. Come on. <laughs> Paul goes on to say, if I can fathom the mysteries and, and, and know all things, if I have faith that I can speak to mountains, those mountains move, but have not loved, I am nothing. Look at what he says in verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that, hardships that I may boast, but do not love, I gain nothing. Jesus said it this way in Matthew, in the passage of Matthew 25. See, see, we, we, we understand that, but in, in, in standing before him, there on the bottom of that portion of Scripture, standing before him, those that have served faithfully will be told, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, 
you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. And when will they, they will say, when, Lord, when did we do these things for you? And the king replied, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, you did it for me. Did you, did you, did you catch that? that? That one thing that will be judged for is how well we treated other people. How we expressed the love of God that he has placed in us to those around us. It's not how many Bible verses we may know. It's not how many times we're in church or, or how great of a reputation we have as Christians. It's how we treated other people. That's the mark that God wants us to carry. That's the, that's the separation that God wants us to walk in. The next one, a spiritually mature person has mastered his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> James 3 and verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. I, this is a tough one. I, this is a tough one for, for many, many of us. But isn't it interesting that when we go, to, when we, like, we visit a doctor, I, and I always kind of thought this was, this was strange, but when we, when we visit a doctor, the first thing he says, hey, open your mouth, let me see your tongue. I'm like, what you want to see my tongue for? Like, my hip hurts. Why do you want to, why do you want to, like, I got an ingrown toenail, doc. What do you want to see my mouth for? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, my ankle's broke. Can't you see? Like, the bone is sticking. <laughs> let me see your tongue. But, but so, so I was like, you know, that, that's kind of interesting. That, that's almost, it's almost like when I was in high school, um, one of our, our trainer, we, anytime we would ever get hurt, he would say he put some ice on it. And so we had a running joke that every time, every time we would get hurt, we'd be like, oh, we don't, you don't even have to go to Doc. Doc's going to tell you to put some ice on it. Just put some ice on it. You'll be okay, right? So it's almost like that. Like, let me see your tongue. So, but, but it's, it's, and some of us were like, dude, why do you want to see my tongue? But there's, there's, I actually looked it up because I was like, wait a minute. So there's actually symptoms that will show up from our body in our tongue. So it's almost like our tongue is an indicator of what's going on inside of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. You got it. You got it. You got it. Yes. Yes, Lord. The, the Lord still. And who said the Lord don't speak? Come on. So he's like, stick out your tongue. Check this out. So it's true. So, uh, so the, uh, uh, you know, I won't say what, the bright red. If you have a bright red tongue like a strawberry, you could be deficient from, from folic acid or the vitamin B12 or iron. Or you could have strep throat or fever. Or you just ate a strawberry or some, like some icy pop, a red icy pop. You know, any one of those symptoms you could have if your tongue is red like a strawberry. <laughs> if it's full of red and white spots, you warden down your taste buds. A lot of, his, a lot of people that, that, that eat a lot of spicy food, you got red and white. You got red and white tongue. And we all know those restaurants, right? You go to the restaurants, you're like, oh, it's going to be hot. Salsa's going to be good. I'd give you a little secret. So whenever you try a new restaurant, taste the salsa first. See? If the salsa kind of kicks back at you, like, oh, okay, let's go ahead and go in. Let's do it. Yes. Write that down, folks. Write that down. There's not a blank for that, but write that down. Trust me. 
Oh, man. Or you could have just ate a bunch of hot pizza and you just got burned your tongue, right? This, this one really, really, really kind of worried me. So if you have a black or hairy tongue, you, you, got, you got some poor oral hygiene. That's wild. Yeah, I would say so. Like if your tongue is black, it, it, you, you, we need to go to the doctor. You know what I mean? We got healing on the streets. We'll pray for you. Let's go to the doctor. Let's go to the doctor. <laughs> but you know what? Like I said before, you know, God does that too. This, the, our tongue is the indicator of what's going on on the inside of us, spiritually speaking. And why? Because self-control, which is, which is a part of the fruit, of the, which is one of the fruits of the spirit, comes from tongue control. Comes from, and and maybe, maybe it's as simple as, you know what, I'm just not going to say something. I'm just not going to say anything. Even now as we talk about this, you know, there's, there's things that, that it, as I was going over this, there was, there was moments in my, in my life that, have been, that played in my mind. Things, moments where I, I should have held my tongue. And maybe that's the same for you. I know as husbands do. Come on now. <laughs> James 1.26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. And his religion is worthless. You know, have you ever heard anyone say, well, I, I just say what's on my mind. Or, or I'm just blunt that way. Or I, I just tell it like it is. It's, it's, it's how I was raised. I've actually worked with people like this. And, and that, that's, that's, not, that's not really the truth. That, that, that's an effect. That, that, that is something that's going on. But, but that can't be our validation. And, and I, believe, I believe a lot of us in here have heard somebody come up to us and say, hey, I got a word from God for you. Wait, wait a minute now. Because what we, what we really have to do is we have to align what, what is about to come out of us or what somebody is trying to put in us with what the word of God is saying. We have to align it with what the truth of the word of God is. And, and that's the test. That's the test. And the reality of it is, if it doesn't line up with that, then it's, it's frankly, that, that's, that's not frankness. It's not, it's not just being who you are. It's not being built. That's just immaturity. That's just spiritual immaturity. Ephesians 4, 26 says, don't say anything that would hurt another person. Instead, speak only what is good so that you can give help wherever it is needed. That way, what you say will help those who, who hear you. So if you long to be spiritually mature, you have to watch what you We have to watch what we say. You have to watch what you say. And when you talk for Jesus, we have to understand that it's not about us. That when, when we speak into somebody's life or we speak what God is putting in our hearts, it's really not for us. It's out of what he's placed in us, but it's for the other person. And I tell you what, man, I long to be used that way. I long, I, I, I yearn, I yearn to be used by God that way. To bring somebody some hope, to show somebody hope, to show love to somebody who needs it. To give a smile to somebody who, who feels rejected and dejected. And as a church, as a body of Christ, we have to look for those opportunities to be able to be this truth. And we have to put what the words, that, the words that are coming out of our mouths, we have to put them through filters. And if it doesn't build somebody up, and if, if it's not for the edification, and listen, if it's not the truth in love, because that's what James is doing right now. That I was talking to Michelle, and she put it so beautifully that James tells us the truth, but in love. 
The James, James is telling us this, this whole, this whole uh, sermon series, and, and I, hope, <laughs> I hope they come back. <laughs> the, but listen, the whole sermon series is all about understanding the truth of God, but James is giving it to us in a way that is so full of compassion and love. It's like, man, I want you to be better. I want you to be great. So, so take these words of advice. Take this, this truth and this knowledge. Let it get in you. Digest it. Let it change you from the inside out. Because a spiritually mature person manages his mouth. A spiritually mature person is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. James 4, 1 and 2 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, but you do not have because you, don't, you do not ask God. Now, believe it or not, that is kind of telling the truth in love. Some of you be like, I, that, I don't see no love in that. Come on now. But, it, but there is. There is. So how do, how do we handle conflict is what we gather from that scripture. Do we, do, are we argumentative? Are we contentious? Do, do, we, do we get our feelings hurt often? Do you get defensive easily? Do you hurt other people's feelings? In other words, are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? And that's tough. That's tough. Listen, church, it's, 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 this is not easy. This is, it's not easy to look in the mirror and, 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 and hold ourselves up to the truth of the word of God. But it's necessary. And, and can I just say this? We're not doing this alone. We're doing this together. We're walking together. This, this, the word of God shines the light on our hearts and on our lives and exposes some things that God wants to change. And I love the scripture that the word of God says that the things that God has began, that he will be faithful to complete. So come on, let's choose to allow God to complete what he started in our hearts. So James gives us two reasons for why we have so much conflict in our lives. Verse 3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The first reason why there is so much conflict in our world or in our marriage or at work is between maybe between you and formal friends, other Christians just all around your area is simply because selfishness. We, we We can be selfish. When I want what I want, I, I want it now. I need to cash settlement, so I need cash now. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm sorry. It just came to my mind. See, I just got to filter that. I should have filtered that. <laughs> so, you know, well, uh, I've been married, going on, been married for going on 22 years. Man, I tell you what, it's been amazing. It's been a roller coaster. There's been some good times, and there have been some drops. Bless the Lord. But I, could, I tell you what, when Christina and I, we're having a conflict, it, it's usually because she's being selfish and proud, you know? You know, she, 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 just, she just doesn't want to admit when she's wrong. She's not here, so I can say that. It'll change the second service, I promise. She don't have an iPhone, so she can't listen to podcasts. She don't, she don't know technology like that. No, no, listen, no, come on. More, more than likely, and, and, and really, it, it's me. I got to look here. It's because I'm being selfish. I'm being prideful. 
I'm, I'm unwilling to, to, to waver. I'm, I'm unwilling to admit that I'm wrong. And, and that, that's the truth. But what, I, what, I, what we can understand and what we can put our finger on and know that it's truth is selfishness guarantees conflict every time. No matter where you are, at work, at home, at church, in your car, with the family, with the kids, anywhere you are, selfishness will always breed, will always give birth to conflict because we're just looking out for number one. Listen, the second thing that he's talking about here in verse 11 and 12, let's look at that verse. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. And the people said, amen. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? See, when we, when we, we look at the fault in others, or we, when we stir up strife, when we spread rumors, we're, gu- we're, gu- we're guilty, excuse me, of judgmentalism. And judgmentalism will always cause conflict. I've, I've told you that story of, of when God, God brought that, brought me face to face with my judgmental spirit. And in that moment, after that conversation that I had with that brother, he went out and did something that I thought wasn't right, that I thought wasn't Christian, what I thought wasn't of Christ. And then immediately the Lord told me, who are you to judge? Just because you think you see his sin and nobody sees yours. So in that moment, I had a decision to make. I had to, I had to choose whether I was going to give that up or I was going to hold on to it. And I thank God that, that his grace is sufficient for me and it was enough that I gave it to him. I said, God, this is not who you are. And if it's not you and I want to be you, I want to follow you, that I'm going to give it to you. The opportunity at hand is, again, a choice. Whether you are a peacemaker or a troublemaker. A spiritual mature person is patient and prayerful. James 5, 7 through 9 says, be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Listen, if anybody has to have patience, it's a farmer. Puts a seed in the ground, covers it up. Boy, I tell you what, that's a prayer life right there. You got to pray for rain. You hope God is going to rain it and grows. You don't really see what's going on. But you know what? You got to believe and trust that God is going to do what he's going to do. That God has put a miracle in that seed. That God has put life in that seed. He has to wait on God. He has to wait for the miracle. He, and, and just like that farmer, we, we have to wait on God to do the work in our hearts as we surrender to him. We have to wait. And so as we close, as I close this morning, patience is a mark of spiritual maturity. The only way you learn patience is by waiting. It's by waiting. In that same, in that same chapter in verse 16 through 18 of James, it says, therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly 
that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. If anybody was patient, it was Elijah. Elijah was patient, and he was prayerful. That's the mark of spiritual maturity. And I said it before, and I, I, this, this is, as, as, I was, as I was looking over this and I was going over this, and, and, and can, I, can I say that first and foremost, whenever I'm, God is, God's word is placed before me like this, man, I, I stand under it. I stand under it, and I say, God, I, 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 want this, I want this to be for me first. And so we have this moment in our lives where God begins to just point at things, and, and, and maybe this, this morning, there's, there's been some things that maybe God has just uncovered in your heart or uncovered in your life. And what I'm going to ask you, would you, would you yield to that? So with every eye closed and every head bowed, James is giving us a reality checklist on our spiritual maturity. And in the areas that the Holy Spirit is turning in our hearts and turning in our minds, it's not for anybody else. It's for you. It's for your heart and your life. Would you let God work right now in the name of Jesus? And my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit is already working on those things. The Holy Spirit is already, is already touching those things. The Holy Spirit is already revealing those things in your heart and in your mind. And he is so great and he's so merciful and he is so gracious that he never, when we allow him to take that, he never leaves us empty. He's the perfect surgeon. He removes the hurt. He removes those things. And he puts that goodness back in us. So this morning, as, as we just kind of look at those, those five things again, are we sensitive to people? Are we mastering our mouth? Are we peacemakers or troublemakers? Are we patient and prayerful? What has the Holy Spirit touched in your heart? Right now in this moment, in an act of surrender, just give it to him. Just allow the Holy Spirit to take that from you right now in the name of Jesus. And maybe under your voice, you can just say, God, I, in your own voice and in a whisper, you can just say, I just give it to you. I give it to you. He knows exactly what it is. I release that. I give it to you. Take it from me. Remove it completely from me. Let nothing remain of that. And in its place, give me your truth. Continue to mold, mold me into the man, into the woman, into the young person that you've called me to be. So I just, I just pray that over you right now in the name of Jesus, God. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you because you've chosen us. I thank you, God, because we're yours. So we surrender all that we are to you this morning. We ask that you would complete your work, God. That you would continue your work in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.